0: Who's ready for the word this morning? I was pretty weak. I said, who's ready for the word this morning? Open up your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 24 and then 2 Samuel chapter 6 psalm 24 and then 2nd samuel chapter 6 as you're turning there i want to say thank you so much for being faithful with your tithes and with your offering and with your giving each and every week each and every month you allow us to help people not only here but literally around the world and as you give today uh, i just want to say thank you for being a part of what God is doing. If you want to be a part of what God is doing through our giving, you can give online, you can text to give, you can give on our app, you can give as you leave today, you can fill out an envelope, drop it in the bucket as you leave today. However you give, I just want you to know that I thank you and I see you, and uh, it's you make ministry uh, possible, not only here, but around the world for us, and I just want to say thank you for that. Psalm uh, chapter 24. Psalm chapter twenty-four. If I could get a little more volume in uh, my monitor, that would be great. Psalm chapter twenty-four. Psalm chapter twenty-four. That's good. Thank you. The Lord, the earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand? In his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory, shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. When studying chapter Psalm 24, there are many theologians that feel that David was writing Psalm 24 as 2 Samuel chapter 6 was actually taking place, 2 Samuel 6, verse 12 says, Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, for your presence that we've already felt in this place. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, that every distraction would cease, everything that is weighing on us, everything that's been running through our mind this morning, Lord, we just put it to rest right now and we focus fully on you. We, we lift our eyes to the hills today because we know where our help is coming from. It's, it's you and you alone. So right now, Lord, we're focused on you. Our ears are in tune with your voice. Our heart is in tune with your spirit. Now let this word come forth this morning, and let it be like a fire shut up inside of our bones, and we will give you all the honor and all the glory and all of the praise. And the church said amen this morning. Amen and amen. As I said just before reading 2 Samuel, it appears that as David was bringing back the Ark of the Covenant... As, as he went to get the ark that was taken from his land, it's important to, un, uh, to know that the ark is symbolic of the presence of God. The ark of the covenant was behind the veil in the temple. It was, it was symbolic whenever uh, it was known for being the presence of the Lord. And when David was going back to get this ark that was stolen from his people, uh, he was going to get it back into his land, to take it back into Jerusalem. He was penning Psalm chapter 24. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant was, was symbolic of the glory of the Lord. It was the glory of the Lord in that moment. The glory of the Lord is powerful. It, it has the ability to transform The glory of the Lord has the ability to go into dark places and illuminate them. The glory of the Lord shakes things up in our lives. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If you do, say amen this morning. It's the glory of the Lord, and when studying it, you will find the Hebrew word for glory is a word uh, pronounced kavod, and it means literally the weighted presence of God. It's like when you feel it, it's like it's heavy on you. It's like a mantle resting on you. Have you ever been in a service or been in your prayer closet when it felt like a kavod? It felt the heaviness. You could feel it resting on you. Anybody ever been there where it's like it was thick? You ever, you walked and say like, it was thick in that place. It's like, it's, it's, you know what I'm talking about. It's like you could walk through it. You, it's, it's like you could feel it. It was a glory. It was a kavod. And we know that it is in his presence, that when we get in his presence, that that is when all things are possible. Amen. We know that when we get in his glory, that's when miracles happen. We know that it's in his presence. There is fullness of joy. And David has been crowned king, and he is seeing the urgent need to get the presence of God back into his home. He is seeing the urgency and and the necessity of getting the glory back in his nation, back to Israel, uh, his land. They were in such a desperate state of mind and being. They were in a desperate place. They were in a desperate place as a nation because they had lost the ark. They had lost the presence of God. The glory of God was no longer there. And David, feeling this desperation, hearing the cries of his people, being a pastor and a king and a leader, knowing knowing the power that was in the ark of the covenant and knowing what the presence of God was capable of. He goes to Abinadab's house to retrieve it. This this ark had been behind the veil in the temple. It had been in the holy holies. It had been where the presence of God had manifested itself. And they had lost the presence. The presence of God was no longer in the tabernacle. And David realized that this nation that he was now leading needed the presence of God. He realized we aren't going to make it without his glory. He realized we can't keep doing this. I can't keep leading without the glory of the Lord. Is anybody feeling that today, that that our nation needs the glory of the Lord, that we can't make it without the glory of the Lord? Amen? So, this, now this newly crowned King David, he gets his boys together. He gets a group of men together and they take this journey to Abinadab's house because he knew the nation needed revival. Not only did his nation need revival, but how many of you agree that our nation is in need of a great awakening? They're in need of a great revival. Listen, revival happens when the church gets desperate. Revival happens when people start saying, I, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I just want the presence of the Lord. Revival happens when enough people get crazy enough to march to the enemy's house and say, listen, you've had your hold on me long enough. I want the glory of the Lord back. You stole my joy, but no, the Lord is my joy. He's my salvation. I just want to be in the glory. Has anybody ever been there where you're like, give me the glory. That's all I want. That's all I need. So he gets these men together, and they go marching to Abinadab's house. Where there is no glory, there can be no revival. The answer to our problems in today, and and even in Bible times, they, they, they will not come from man. Amen. They will not come from world leaders. They will not come from political parties. The answer that we need right now, it will only come from a visitation from the Lord. It can only come from the Holy Spirit. Amen because there is nothing that God's presence cannot fix. There is nothing, there's no curse that God's presence cannot undo or turn around for your good. David understood this and he goes to get the ark back to his people but before we talk about david getting the ark back i want you to understand and you may be wondering this morning how did he ever lose it how did somebody how did somebody get the presence of god from a nation it's important to understand this morning that for some 20 years prior to this event israel had been defeated in the battle against the philistine army and during that battle some 4000 israelites perished four thousand people perished in this battle. So the Israelites said to themselves, they said in that moment that, that they were going to go get the ark that was still in the temple. They said, I'm going to go get the ark and we're going to bring it on the battlefield. That, that, so so if, if, if the presence of God is here, if the ark is here on the battlefield, surely that means we will get a victory in this next battle. If the the presence of the Lord is here, if this ark is here, surely that will mean a victory. But you need to understand this is that there was a problem bigger than their problem because because Israel had been in a state of rebellion. They had literally turned their back on their God. They had turned their back on the God that, that, that which their nation was formed. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Some were embracing idolatry. Some had been worshiping false God. So when they brought the ark to the battlefield, no longer did it hold the presence because of their rebellion. But now this ark was just a piece of decoration. Now it was just a piece of furniture. Why? Because the glory of the Lord had lifted off of it because of the rebellion of a nation. And now the problem within the problem was that they had lost the glory of the Lord that they had been operating outside of his presence and the sad thing was that they did not even know the presence was gone how often how long has the church in America been operating and not even knowing that they're operating outside of the presence of God so here they are they walked out on the battlefield with this ark And the word says that they let out a shout, a roar, feeling like, here we go. And the Philistines became afraid. But the problem was that it was only a noise. There was no power to accompany the noise. It was only a noise because the glory was no longer resting upon them. They were operating outside of God's presence and they did not even realize it. In other words, get this, they had a religion but they did not have a relationship. They had a religion but they did not have the glory resting upon them. And you need to get this today, that noise does not equate to the presence of God. You need to be careful in this day. And not be caught off guard by noises. Because we will often follow the side that has the loudest voice. We will often follow somebody who has the, 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 the greatest volume of followers. Who's making them the greatest sound. Just because it is loud does not mean it's in the glory. Just because they are loud, it doesn't mean that they have the glory resting upon them. The the sound was there, but the glory was missing. And now, even in today, we are seeing this, where we have churches that can identify with this issue. We have churches that are meeting in his name, but they are not meeting in his presence. They're gathered in his name. They have good intention but they are not meeting in his presence. We have nice facilities and, 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 and sanctuaries have beautiful architecture and great landscaping. We have churches with dynamic sound systems and vocalists and people playing great instruments, but so often so many people are meeting in the name of the Lord, but not in the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but whenever I get together, I not only want to meet in his name, but I want to feel his presence again. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm singing and lifting up his name, I not only want to sing his name, I want to see his face today. I don't know about you, but I don't don't just want to gather in his name, but I want to gather with his people in his presence because in his presence, that's where the fullness of joy is. In his presence, that's when miracles happen. If I were to sing in a place with no presence, if I were to get up here in a Colosseum full of thousands of people and preach a word but there was no presence, there was no glory there, guess what? No miracle would take place. The volume of people would not control it. If there's no glory, no one would be saved. It would simply be a meeting. But I can preach the same message in a little bitty church full of 50 people. And the glory is so thick in the place, it's like it's tangible. And guess what? That same message with the 50 people that have the glory, guess what? Demons start trembling. Sickness starts leaving bodies. Marriages come back together. Sons and daughters start running to the cross. Why? Because it's not about the volume of the music or the volume of people. It's all about His glory. And they thought, well, now the ark is here. We've got it. How often does the church think, now we've got new leaders? It's going to happen. Now we have a new building. Here it goes. We're about to blow up. Now, now, now we've got a five-year strategic plan. Now it's going to pop. Now it's going to happen. But let me tell you, all of these are good, and they can aid to the growth of an organization and church. But if the glory isn't there, you may get bigger, but you won't get better. You may grow in a number. But you can't grow in depth. You may grow in numbers, but you won't grow disciples. You may win a, uh, some type of growth award, or you may win the best in Rome, but you will not win spiritual battles until you get the glory. They were confused. How could the ark be on our side? How could the ark be on the battlefield? But we are still losing. Marching around on the battlefield. Losing. The ark is there. And we keep losing. They, thousands are dying. But the ark is here. And they start losing their minds. They start complaining and start blaming the Lord. It's like they they were seriously their minds were they were losing their minds. They were literally breaking laws as they're moving the ark around and yet could not understand why they could not win. I asked first service. Have you ever met a crazy person? Don't point at them. They're a crazy person, and they're always doing crazy things, and they wonder why crazy things happen to them. How did I lose my job? Because you didn't show up. (laughs) Welcome to life. Why can't I get $40 an hour? Flipping hamburgers because you can't your work ethic is not even 10 dollars an hour come on somebody how do i keep attracting losers pastor cuz you're finding them in a bar sister how am i broke Because you're living above your means. And when mess comes, we want to blame people. And the Israelites were right there. I've got the ark. I don't understand. We are desperate. How can I lose when the ark is on my side? And the Philistines are watching and they're listening to the shout. And the word says that they get scared. And they decide we're going to fight with everything that we've got. And here they come out toward the the Israelites. And guess what? 30,000 more Israelites died. Leaders were dying. Daddies were dying, sons were, generations were dying. And while this chaos is occurring, the Philistines go and they capture the ark and they take it back to their land. And when they get it back to their land, they put it in the temple of Dagon. They brought the ark of the Lord, the presence of God, and they put the ark in front of their God. Dagon was an idol. If you were to Google him or this god, it had the upper body of a man, and the lower part looked like a fish, almost like a a male mermaid kind of look. And they pulled the ark in front of this statue, and they leave the ark there overnight. And when they come in the next morning, guess what? This graven image, this statue had literally fallen over on its face in front of the ark, the presence of the Lord. The Philistines go in and they rush and they they pick him up and put him up right. And they leave and they come back the next morning. And not only had Dagon fallen over on his face again, but this time his head and his hands were severed, they were broken off from his body. Isn't it good to know that the truth that was present on that day is the truth that is still true today and will be true tomorrow. And that truth is that one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is the one true God. Every leader will bow. Every president will bow. Every king will bow. Hollywood will bow and say, yes, he is the Lord God Almighty. And after that moment, Plagues hit the Philistines. Literally, tumors started popping up all over their bodies. The Word says that these Philistines, get this, they're not believers, but the Word says that a cry from them was heard in heaven. These are doubters. Doubters started crying out, to God. Those with no faith started crying out to God. Those that had taunted God's people are now crying out to their enemies, God. Is there anybody in the house this morning you would love to see your enemy cry out to your God? Is there anybody in the house this morning you would love to see the heathens of this world cry out to God? Is there anybody in the house this morning who can testify? You want want the atheist to see miracles and say, maybe God is real. You want the addict to hear how God is still breaking chains and turning things around and they think maybe I need to go into the house of the Lord this only happens when you get around the glory and all of this they moved the ark into a man's house his name was Abinadab and they left it there for 20 years for 20 some years Israel existed outside of the presence of God for 20 years they existed without the glory For 20 years they existed without feeling his presence. It was 20 years of trouble. It was 20 years of frustration. It was 20 years of chaos. How long have you been operating without his presence? But then, there came a new king, David. Here comes little David. He was hungry for the glory. He was hungry for the more of God. He wanted to get the presence of God back to his people. He wanted to get the glory back to his land. He wasn't going to stop. He wanted everything. He wanted he, he wanted the ark back. He wanted his presence back. He wanted God's glory back on his land. And guess what? He took 30,000 people with him to go get the ark. 30,000 people. Can you imagine 30,000 people walking this 12 to 15 mile journey? 30,000 people. They said, you know what? I just want his glory. God, give us your presence back. I don't care how far I've got to walk. I don't care what I've got to go through. I don't care how many enemies are before me. God, we just want your glory. God, we just want your presence. And and, and they, had a, they had a cart made that the oxen were pulling. Get this. But the problem was they were putting the ark on a man-made cart. But the problem was that the glory, the ark, was never meant to rest on something that man has made. The glory was not made to rest on things that we make. The glory was made to rest on what he has made. Because sometimes we want our own thing. And the Lord said, but it's not in my plan. We want that job, but it's not in my plan. My glory can't rest on it. It was never meant to rest on man-made things. It was never meant. And then suddenly the word says, as these 30,000 people are walking, the oxen that's pulling the cart begins to stumble. And when the oxen begins to stumble, the ark the presence of god begins to shake and it says abinadab's son reaches out to steady the ark watch it the presence of god begins to shake when things are not in line with god's purpose he will shake it up this the shaking in your life may just be god trying to get you back into his presence It may not be the devil. You've been giving the devil too much credit. It could be God trying to shake you back into his presence. Here it is the presence is shaking, the ark is shaking. It's moving, it's shaking, and when things are not in his purpose, he will shake them up. And the Holy Spirit was saying, That is not what I intended, that is not what I wanted. I don't want to rest on a cart. I want to rest on men. I don't want to be brought. I don't want to rest on a building. I don't want to rest on somebody's name. I want to rest on a generation of mankind. A Benadab's son tried to steady what God was shaking. How many times have you tried to settle what God was trying to work out for you? You want to mess up God's plan? Just touch it. We got any people in the house, it's like everything you touch, it just falls apart. You want to mess up God's plan? You try to control it. You try to steady it. No, I don't want it right now, Lord. Lord. No, I want it next week. Lord, no, no, I, you're, you're not calling me to holiness this week. I'm going to Panama City this week. I can't do that. <laughs> try, try again next week, Lord, Lord. That's nervous laughter. We call it conviction in the Pentecostal circus. Benedab son. What, what, what God was shaking, he was trying to steady. His name was Uzza. Uzza means the strength of man. Let me tell you something. You will not be healed by the strength of man. You'll be healed by a shaking of the spirit. You will not be saved by the strength of man. Revival will not happen by the strength of man. You will not turn a nation around by being Uzzah and having strength inside of you. No, there has got to be a shaking again. There's got to be a moving of the Spirit. Anybody feel that this morning? There's got to be a movement of His glory back in America. There's got to be some glory shaking over Rome, Georgia. Whenever it happens, you can't touch it and say, Lord, I want it this way, that way. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, Lord, don't upset us. No, you've got to throw up your hands and say, Lord, have your way. To shake means to agitate, to aggravate. Any of your kids ever shake you? Praise God, school is back in session. Hmm. To shake means to agitate, to aggravate, to literally shake it down. How many of you have some things that you need that you would love for God to agitate in your life? You've got you've got you you've got you you have got you got some strongholds that you would love for God to just rub up against and aggravate it so it has to break loose. How many people in the room? You've got some things in your life you need God to shake loose down from heaven. How many are you are ready for a revival that shake? things loose over America it takes his glory his son Uzzah died when he touched the ark listen it never ends well when you try to steady what God is shaking it will never end well we have to be a people that when the glory starts shaking we just say have your way, sweet Holy Spirit. We've got to be a people that when the Spirit begins to move and things begin to shift, it may be outside of our comfort zone. It may be outside of our tradition. But, but, but we don't try to explain it away. We don't try to silence it. We don't try to counsel it away. We don't try to explain it away. No, we let the Spirit do the talking for what it's doing. But pastor, don't you think we need to calm down? All this glory stuff, people falling out. You're dancing on stage, and I don't know, pastor. Shouldn't we just calm it down? Shouldn't we be just a little more germane? Shouldn't we be a little more uh, uh, relevant? Shouldn't we be just a little more our services? I know some of you are thinking that this morning. (laughs) Shouldn't we just be a little more seeker friendly? Listen, if you want to win the seeker, you want to be relevant, you want to win the seeker, you want to win the sinner, the greatest thing you can do is get them in a room where the glory is flowing. If you want to change somebody's mind, get them in a room where the Spirit is moving. Get them in a room where the glory is flowing. Get them in a room full of Spirit-filled people. They don't care how long they got to pray until they see a breakthrough. It's the most, rel- the most relevant thing you could do for yourself is be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit is everywhere. Contemporary music is not everywhere. Hymns are not everywhere. So either side really is not relevant. They're missing something. Can I get an amen? amen. Lights up, it's not relevant. To something. Lights all the way down, it's not relevant. But you want to know what's relevant? The Holy Spirit is because it's everywhere. It's the most relevant thing you can do. <clears throat> David wanted the presence of God back in his land. When it starts shaking, don't try to settle it. It was in that moment, David begins to write this Psalm 24, verse 6. He said, God, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. He was saying, Lord... I cannot control what the generation before me did. He was saying, Lord, I'm not going to be able to control this generation behind me. He said, but one thing I can do, this generation that I'm in, I'm, I'm giving it everything. He said, my house, it will be a house of prayer. My house is going to be a house of worship. I can't, I can't change what they did. I don't know what they're going to do. He said, but my generation, Lord, we want more. He said, my church, we're going to press in. We want more. Lord, we're not going to stop until we see your glory. He said, Said, this is the generation. He said lift up your heads oh ye gates be ye lifted up you everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in. He said I want everlasting doors. David said Lord I don't just want a glimpse of your glory. He said Lord I don't just want a little visit of your glory. I don't just want a sprinkle of your glory. He said but I want it to be everlasting. I want it to be generation after generation. I want you to open up doors wide open and not just open it, but I want you to Leave it open over my nation. David is writing Psalm 24. They're moving the ark back. Get this. This is crazy. Most of us would have never made it. They're marching 12 to 15 miles, and every six steps they stop and slaughter an oxen or a fattened sheep. Can you imagine every six steps slaughtering an animal? Gruesome. Stabbing it in the neck. Blood coming out. Gross. Most of us wouldn't have made it six steps, but I'm tired. I'm not killing another animal. 30,000 people every six steps killing an animal, making a sacrifice. Can you see this imagery here as this army of people every step as they are walking not only are they walking but there's a there's a line of blood every step they are taking they're walking in the blood. Every step they are walking in the sacrifice. Every step they are literally—it is like a pool of blood under their feet. Every move they are making, it's blood. Every step they are walking in the sacrifice. Not only are they walking in the bu- the blood, they're also praising in the blood. Not only are they walking and praising, but they're also dancing and they're being and they're seeing restoration in the blood that that was shed for a sacrifice. Listen, the glory did. Not come without the blood first. A lot of people want the glory. A lot of people want the gifts. A lot of people want the talents. But until you get in the blood, salvation, you can't have that. The glory is for people who've been, man, help me out. The glory is for people who have been in the blood. Why? Because what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I said, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The worst is that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. David is bringing back the glory. And the glory... Is being escorted in by the blood. Can you see it? The Bible says that he starts to dance. And he's not only dancing, he is literally dancing out of his clothes. He did not look like a king anymore. He did not have on his all his ritualistic attire. He did not have on what looked like a king. Now he looked like a sweaty mess, a bloody mess. And he is dancing in it, dancing with little clothes on and covered in blood. He no longer looked like a king. People were like, where's the leader at? I can't even see him. Where's the crown at? Where's his his sash and his robe at? They could not even tell where the king was at because he had stripped everything down and he was messy. I want you to look at your neighbor today and I want you to tell them, I may be a mess, but I'm still gonna praise him. I may not look like everybody else, but praise the Lord, I'm still gonna praise him. My life may be a mess, but I'm still gonna praise him. My family may be in chaos, but guess what? I'm still going to praise Him. Anybody in the house today with me? I don't have it all together. Come on, stand with me. But I'm still going to praise Him. I may look like a Jesus freak, but I'm going to praise Him. I don't care what you think about my praise. I've got to give what is due Him. I'm returning it to Him. If the glory stops, it won't be because of me. David was a mess. the glory was coming I said David was a mess but the glory was coming to his nation I said David was a mess but the glory was coming to his nation he wasn't perfect but the glory was coming to his nation I don't know about you, but that gives me hope for America. That it may be a mess, but I see the glory coming back to America. Washington may be a mess, but I see the glory and it's coming back to America.